What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Run Your Mouth podcast. Sorry, coming at you guys uh, a little bit later than our usual time. These things happen, uh, but there's a lot going on in the world, so let's get into it. I'd like to start today's show off with a uh, friendly reminder slash warning not to zip your dick. I don't know when the last time that happened to you, uh, and I made a mistake. It was laundry day. I went out on the road. I did gigs. By the way, great time in New Hampshire, uh, if you guys haven't checked out that show. Uh, but I was out on the road, and I went skiing for a couple days. And by the end of the days, I was all out of sheaths. I was wearing good old regular boxers. And you know what I forgot about good old regular boxers? You got to be careful to keep that button closed. Because if you got Fruit of the Looms from a decade ago, and you don't keep that button closed, and then you're also wearing slightly baggy jeans, and then you go to the bathroom and you, oh boy, that is a feeling when you, I, ladies, you don't even know what this feeling's like. When all of a sudden you zip down, you're like, ah, oh God. And then what's sad about that moment is it's not over. You then got to unzip your dick, which then at least zipping your dick, you didn't see it coming. It just happened. Now your dick's caught in your zipper and you're like, all right, at least that's over until you remember that you have to actively unzip it, which is definitely way worse. If you had to pick between like the zip is almost refreshing because it catches you out of nowhere. It's almost like a jolt where you're like, oh, I'm up. But the unzip, you're like, oh, no, I got to undo what I just did. But luckily, there's a better way. You go to sheathunderwear.com. You use promo code RYM. You get 20% off. And uh, luckily with the sheaths, you put your dick in that sheath hole. You know, there's fabric there. I, I'm not going to say that it is impossible to zip your own dick while wearing sheaths because I haven't, I haven't gone out there and done the study. I haven't gone into urinals with binoculars and repeatedly watch people while wearing sheaths. And I haven't seen people of different sizes. Maybe if your dick is so big and it's in the sheath hole that it causes like a big arc of your penis, maybe that top of the penis. But I would think with the fabric there, and we're talking about high quality moisture wicking fabric that's silky and smooth. I would think that your dick is totally protected. We're going to hit up Robert. We're going to see if his research team has looked into whether or not sheath will uh, zip dick your your proof your penis. So anyways, RYM, promo code 20% off. I learned my lesson the hard way about what could happen if you're not wearing your sheaths. So go wear your sheaths. In other warnings, uh, this was from the Daily Mail. Uh, they're claiming that the United States government has warned us that if uh, Putin decides to attack America with nuclear warheads, you should stay inside for 24 hours unless local authorities provide other instructions. Continue to practice social distancing by wearing a mask and by keeping a distance of at least six feet between yourself and the people not part of your household. Uh, because we've been pretending like those things worked for a year. And so if we're already going to pretend like that worked for Corona, why not pretend like it would work in a nuclear war situation? We've already rehearsed the hell out of pretending. Can you believe that? I, I What was the whole thing with hiding under desks? They, didn't they used to do that too? They just like pretending like we can uh, control these things. But props to the, the little Ukrainians. My God, these people are putting up a fight. Uh, who would have thought? I mean, America is going to need a new boogeyman for all this money that we're spending, saying the risk of the Russians. Uh, they can't even beat Ukraine in a couple days. Uh, uh, where's this big, strong Russian army that if we went to war with, we would be in trouble? I mean, I guess they got the nukes, so you got to be careful with the nukes. But it's like, yeah, it, how many war, like, big ships do you need to take care of nukes? We just have our nukes. They just have their nukes. And then from there, we probably don't even need to spend money on our military anymore. We're going to need a new big boogeyman. For all these, like, Hollywood, they're finished. All these ones with the super Russian spies and the super Russian soldiers and, and the evil units and, and the special forces. I'm calling bullshit. The fucking Ukrainians are, uh, are, are giving them a run for their money. Uh, and this is, 
here's the good news. I guess if the Ukrainians can keep this kind of going on for long enough that the Russian people could also be like, hey, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, who knows? Maybe Putin will actually have to stand down or maybe he'll just get antsy and go, fuck it, I'm nuking, ev- nuking everybody. Uh, now, just to kind of give my scoop on what's going on in Ukraine, one, you got the home court advantage. It's not easy to recruit people to go into a country to go just kill r- random people. But when you're the home team and you're like, yeah, I don't want random people coming in here and taking my house. If everybody's armed up, people are throwing Molotov, Molotov cocktails out of their windows. It's hard to tell who's civilian, who's enemy, who who's peeing outside of their window onto my tank. Um, so home court advantage. That's why chances are no country needs to spend as much as they do on security and defense. Uh, because if shit actually goes down, people show up and they'll uh, they'll fight back. I think the other thing that they're running into is uh, you got to be careful when you're fighting a crazy drunk guy because all of a sudden you think you're in a fist fight. People start throwing chairs. And I think there's a little bit of that going on where people are like just getting in front of tanks. Other people are just smoking cigarettes while moving uh, uh, um, mines. I mean, how cool are these? But that, That's the kind of people you don't want to start a fight with. When a guy could be in a bar smoking a cigarette, someone could say there's a mine where he goes, I don't fucking care. I'll move it. And they're like, you, you don't want to take the cigarette? And he goes, no. Quit being fucking pussy. I can move mine with cigarette. I do, like that's why you, you're 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 challenging some crazy. Tr- now, in terms of the coolest line ever said by a world leader ever, the Ukrainian president declined the evacuation offer, and he just responded with, "I need ammunition, not a ride." And uh, you know, this guy's an actor and a comedian. If he somehow survives this, uh, Clint Eastwood better hire him for a movie because this guy turned out to be fucking cool. I mean, the situation's terrible, and uh, he probably shouldn't have sided with the U.S., and I, I don't know the insights and exactly what kind of profiteering has been going on between him and the Biden, you know, so maybe he got himself into this mess, but at the moment, feed is down for a second. Oh, now I'm back. All right. Uh, and then, so you got this guy, you've got, they're going all crazy, but Putin's like, you think you're crazy. I'm going to be even crazier. And just to make this as much of a Hollywood movie as possible, uh, the Kremlin sending in more than 400 mercenaries from private militia to Kiev to assassinate president Zelensky and his government. And then Zelensky responded, Hey, listen, you're going to send mercenaries in here. Well, we're going to release our prisoners. That's what we're going to do. I mean, talk about a fucking Hollywood movie when the people released from prison, uh, get out there and, you know, but it would be great if CNN like goes to do coverage and like, hey, we're in this area that was just uh, reconquered by these recent prisoners. Ah, shit, they're raping the Russians. All right, we're uh, let's go cover another field. This is not the area that we want to cover. And by the way, they don't explain what criminals they said that they needed to have already had military experience. So they don't actually say what they're in jail for. Like they could be in jail for I don't know how Ukraine works. It could be like dumb criminal, like, you know, small petty thievery shit. Or this could just be Rambos. There could be an entire jail full of Ukrainian Rambos who uh, were having some sort of PTSD moment, did something in a, in a, in a store where they freaked out. They, they realized we don't have the kind of resources to be keeping an eye on this Rambo type guy. So they just threw him into jail. And uh, now the, all the Ukrainian Rambos are going to be let out. Uh, all right. Now, this was one of the more wild conspiracy theories that have been circling around the Internet. You know, some people... Uh, these QAnon folks who think Trump was there battling the demons of pedophiles also think that uh, Putin maybe is uh, teamed up with Trump, uh, taking an opportunity to go in there and just uh, get rid of biolabs. You know, the Americans, they had biolabs. Uh, Fauci was working on the next coronavirus. And if you look at the bombings that took place, 
Uh, they weren't actual. Uh, people are trying to claim that the maps of the bombings that the uh, Russians have engaged in are also the exact site of these uh, biolab facilities. Now, before I debunk this, uh, you want to talk about a bad response. So PolitiFact, they try and claim uh, when here's a claim Russia's targeting U.S. biological weapon labs in Ukrainian invasion. And so their response was rather the U.S. Department of Defense Cooperative Threat Reduction Program has provided technical support to the Ukrainian Ministry of Health since 2005 to improve public health laboratories whose mission is analogous to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which this is their way of telling us that we don't have bio labs in Ukraine is to acknowledge that the labs do exist, uh, and but they're they're only there to improve public health uh, laboratories. Who mission is? It, it sounds to me like we've got bio labs there. You know what I mean? It's it's like uh, I it, it's this classic government redefining of well, uh, yes, we took their money, but we've defined theft in this way. So what we engaged in was was not actually theft. But here's why I can't imagine that this war is over our biodefense facilities in Ukraine, because why would you bomb them then? Wouldn't you want to get the evidence of that and then showcase to the world how evil America is and look at the bio lab, uh, labs that we have in this country and look at the things that we're doing? Can you imagine if like the if uh, you were working at the police department and they were searching for uh, like uh, they were trying to solve a murder and then you found the murder weapon and you said, hey, I found the murder weapon and I destroyed it. And it's like, why would you destroy the murder weapon? That would be the evidence. So I would think if Putin was going to go into a country and he wanted to uh, showcase that America was doing something terrible, with bi or maybe he realized that he had to take out the bioweapons facilities first. Could be. Maybe I have that one wrong. All right. And then, ah, shit, why are we at the end of this thing? Now we're working backwards. Don't look at these slides. What did I do? All right. Back to other batshit crazy claims that are going on in the Ukraine. Um, the Biden administration and U.S. allies aim to seize Russian yachts and mansions, which is also fun. You see, this is something that I actually like because you got all your friends. I mean, Putin's got his buddies. Everyone needs a winning coalition. So you got your rich people that are behind you. They're your support team. You guys are there. You're taking the wealth out of Russia. You're selling your oil. You're doing your this, your that. And these are your actual support group. This is a team. These are the people that you have to make happy. And sure, at any given point in time, you could take out any single one of them. But if all of them got really pissed off at you, they're also the people with enough power to take you out. And so what could potentially happen here is that this war goes on long enough that the Russian people, uh, Putin starts realizing, well, And then you can also have where the other oligarchs are taking so much pain because it seems like the U.S. is actually really seizing their uh, assets, making it difficult for them to get business, where Putin goes, wow, this was too costly. Uh, I better figure out a way that I can negotiate a treaty where maybe he actually gets his way. Everyone wins here. Ukraine goes, all right, we're not going to do the NATO thing, but you have to promise not to ever invade us again. Uh, or it could be he just goes batshit crazy, decides to nuke everybody. But then there was another headline that the U.S. sanctions on Russian oligarchs mixes riches of the rich, because uh, if you're a super wealthy individual and you want to make sure that you're protected from uh, the West and sanctions, you just have to do something in entertainment. That's all it takes. 
eh, these people own soccer teams and, you know, even England's like, all right, we can punish Russia. We can threaten Russia, but, you know, we don't want to have soccer teams they can't play. You just have to make some small investment. It's like even when it comes to like green cards and getting people into the country, it's like if you're a good baseball player, you can get it instantly. If you're some super genius who might cure cancer, uh, we're we're out of permits. We're sorry. We're going to want you without money or resources to solve this from another third world country. Um, this was a interesting one. So people are funding uh, Ukraine via Ethereum and Bitcoin, which I would think that that has to be a win for Ethereum and Bitcoin when a country goes, hey, we're looking for support. And the only way that people or one of the ways that we will accept funding is through this crypto wallet. I would think that that's got to build to the legitimacy of uh, cryptocurrencies. I know guys standing there and he's going, why are you talking about Ethereum? Don't talk about Ethereum. Bitcoin's the only one. It's the only true coin. All of all the other shit coins. Uh, all right. You know what? I'm just working off the headline here, Mr. Swan. Send your angry letters. We're going to have to have an angry email department for, you know, people where they can send uh, their angry emails. Uh, now, this was the other interesting conspiracy circulating around is that some of these pictures that you're seeing about the war that's going on are actually stock footage. You know, people, they're trying to sell us on a war. They're trying to sell us that we need to support the Ukrainian people. And I want to be honest, like there is something really heart drenching when you see these people and you're like, I feel like we could just give them a little more support and they could win this thing. Uh, but it's the tragedy of world leaders kind of creating these hostage situations uh, where, I, I don't know, I feel like, it, it's honestly, it's, it's like what's happening is tragic. I don't think the US is not at fault here. Uh, in terms of provoking it. And I don't think we can let our world leaders benefit from uh, being able to have more costly wars. I think that they don't care about these human beings in any capacity. And if we give them what, what they want, we kind of encourage them to put more people into these situations. Uh, and so I hope that the people of Ukraine are able to uh, regain their freedom and you know other wishful things that make you seem like you're not a serial killer. All right, I feel like everyone... I feel like everyone feels this way, so it doesn't even need to be said. Uh, so there were claims that some of these pictures are almost uh, from earlier incidents to kind of sell the story, make it seem like the Ukrainians are really in a battle here. I don't know what the full claim is here of what they're trying to say is really what's going on on the ground, uh, but they've showcased a couple different pictures. This is a Zero Hedge article for those people uh, listening question all of it. The current Western propaganda for Ukraine is epic in scale. And I'll agree with the question, all of it. And I will agree with the fact that world leaders are trying to sell us on a war. And I'll also agree with anyone who wants to say, hey, if we just uh, scaled back on this whole green energy bullshit, we probably wouldn't be in this situation with Ukraine as it is because I mean, with Russia, because we've probably given them a little bit too much leverage in terms of what's going on with energy. But anyways, question all of it. The current Western propaganda for Ukraine is epic in scale. So they got pictures of Zelensky where you've been seeing this guy looking like he's arming up, ready to fight. And then they got pictures of him. I believe he was at the border years earlier. Pictures look nearly identical. They have a similar one with kids standing in front of a tank, which they're claiming is from an earlier point in time. I cannot validate this, but I've seen similar claims about this lady who had her face bombed and then the uh, at least the Daily Mail, maybe they're also just in this racket of trying to sell it. Uh, we're claiming that that was, in fact, uh, an incident that happened, you know, like last week when uh, the Russians bombed a building. If you guys have more on that, my email is always open. Rob's newsroom at gmail.com. 
Uh, if nothing else, the conspiracy theories are interesting and I will relay them to the other listeners so that they can, uh, perhaps validate or send me other batshit crazy thing for me, for me to, uh, you know, share on the show. And then of course, Putin comes in and he places nuclear forces on high alert, which I don't understand. Like that just seems to me like that's just another headline. Like was it, so they weren't on alert country goes to war. Like firstly, why at this point, if you were a world leader and you wanted to blast nuclear warheads, would there be any friction between you and the blasting of the nuclear warheads? I would think it would be automatic at this point, like turning on a light bulb. I'd have a giant light switch in my house and I go, you know what? I've decided it's nuke time. And then you hit the light switch and you got to hope that no one leans up against that light switch. That would be pretty bad. You're throwing a party. And for some reason, people get really hammered and they end up in your room. Maybe that's the whole reason why there is some friction is that you don't build the giant nuclear light switch thinking, hey, I don't want any friction between me and my ability to blast off these nuclear bombs. Or maybe that's exactly what it is. You don't just want like a suitcase where you press a button because maybe someone leans on the button. So you want to have to press the button and then they have to call you. But then I would think the problem with the people calling you is that what if they want to defy your orders? So the fact that Putin makes this headline of I'm placing my nuclear forces on high alert and we're telling them to be ready. I don't know. That, that seems, that seems like, uh, he's just trying to stay in the news. He's trying to let people know, Hey man, I'm crazy. Don't just think I'll send in militias there to take out your president. Uh, another zero hard article that I would like to, uh, um, read to you guys, or at least pieces of it was the CDC discovers actual public health just in time. So this was something I was talking about last week. I feel that this author put it into uh, uh, put it into clearer terms than I did. So I'd like to read you guys a couple paragraphs uh, just to give you the the short before I read a couple paragraphs. It's basically just showcasing the fact that it doesn't seem like this science has changed. It seems like public opinion has changed. They've realized that public opinion has changed, and now they're changing the science to fit the public opinion, uh, which is what I've been talking about is that it was always up to us to just be like, no. Like their power is only as good as we allow it to be. Uh, and we almost have to learn that we like it, 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 it that if we're going to be non-compliant, they're not going to just force these things upon us. It's it's our sheepishness that has allowed them to kind of allowed us like we've all had miserable two years for absolutely no reason. For the first three months, we didn't know what was going on. It made sense. After that, we could have gotten back to regular life. Uh, like I said, this author was more articulate than me. So let's just read the paragraphs instead of me just uh, rambling about what this author might have said. To be sure, all this enormously frustrating for those of us engaged in the battle for two years, instead of focusing on getting sick people well, the CDC experimented with wild guidelines and imagined some kind of society wide solution that seemed designed to crush the virus while vast amounts of social and economic activity were shut down by law. This necessitated a crushing of freedoms, including of travel, association, commerce, religion, and eventually even speech. The CDC nowhere admits that it's much less apologizes for it. Two years in, the CDC seems to have rediscovered the traditional practice of public health and has justified this new wisdom based on changing conditions while never even bothering to claim that this uh, that its previous measures in, and guidelines achieved anything along the way. We've seen a massive collapse in public health, economic vitality, and essential rights while closing schools and wrecking education and so much more, all in the name of virus control, even as the evidence is now overwhelming that the entire enterprise was not only a distraction for what should have happened, therapeutics and protecting vulnerable, but also an astonishing failure. This is skipping ahead. Why the change? It happened. To, it had to happen at some point. The entire machinery of lockdowns and mandates were destined to fail. 
As to the timing of the reversal, it's hard to resist the speculation that it's entirely political. See the memo above. Still, there's a worrisome aspect of the CDC's announcement. They reserve the right to do it all over again. We want to give people a break from things like mask wearing when these metrics are better and then have the ability to reach for them again should things worsen, she said. No one should be satisfied with the politically motivated change in the messaging. We need fundamental regime change. So make sure that nothing like this can ever happen again. This is, I, I feel like this is the Russia collusion story all over again. People got to scream and yell about that our president is a Russian asset. The story just gets to disappear. Nobody's claiming it loses their jobs. We go from that into a Corona response of everyone needs to stay home, be afraid, fear for your life, fear for your life. You got to be afraid. You got to be afraid. And then they just reverse policies. Uh, Rand Paul was right the entire time. And everything he said and everything he criticized the officials for, there's no news organization going, all hail Rand Paul who was right. All shame the CDC who was wrong. And then you got that fucking, uh, that Chinese lady who's the doctor. She's like second, she's like the other doctor who's also just smiling while going, oh, it's clear that our masks have harmfully affected our children. Yeah, everybody knew that. You were the one preaching that we all need to be afraid and run for our lives. And that was a bad strategy. And some people need to lose their jobs for it. Now, here's the latest propaganda to try and cover their ass, or at least in my opinion, seemingly, is that there's long-term problems from having had COVID. And so to whatever ability we could have prevented COVID, there's all this long COVID stuff. I, I don't think any of the long COVID stuff is going to be true. In this case, this was a Salon article. COVID-19 is linked to long-term mental health issues in recovered patients. And how can you possibly differentiate that the long-term mental health issues are from COVID and not from the response to COVID. I'd love to see like, so are you breaking it down between people that um, were vaccinated and had COVID people that were not vaccinated and had COVID to then even see if maybe it was a vaccine issue versus a, uh, um, a just having COVID issue. And then how can you possibly prove that a mental health problem that someone's had since COVID, like, are you also looking at all the people that never had COVID? Like, we don't actually have pure numbers on who has and who hasn't had COVID. So what about health, mental health issues in the people that didn't have COVID? How can you possibly make any element of a claim of uh, problems because of mental health without looking into the fact that you told everyone to be afraid for their lives? You had kids in mass, you had kids not in school. How do you possibly affiliate a long-term mental health issue with someone having had COVID and not because of the response to COVID. Other news, you have, uh, they finally found a replacement for the head over at CVN. It's going to be Chris Licht. Uh, he was the uh, executive producer on the Stephen Colbert show. And the world leader said, you've done such a wonderful job pushing propaganda with Colbert. You've managed to make it entertaining. You haven't lost all your viewers. This is the person that we need to put on the big propaganda stage. You've proven it. And uh, hopefully you can find other talented comedians and turn them into successful propagandists. All right. So now moving on to our final solution, because it's been 23 minutes. I've yelled about the problems in the world. But let's actually take a look at some solutions. Uh, well, here, let's listen to a little bit of Russian here. So I think this is the head of Russia's equivalent to the CIA. He's given a speech. They got the big circular room. This is how they show off how much power they have is, uh, by standing in really big rooms with fancy designs, a lot of space. You got the big pillars. Uh, and so he's making a recommendation. 
And of course, it's in Russian, so you guys don't know what the recommendation is. Uh, if you're watching it, though, you can uh, you can read the. All right, so he goes. What does that mean? What's the worst case? We start negotiations. Guy responds. He stutters a bunch. He looks nervous. Is, and uh, he responds is. Yeah. He says, I will. And so Putin says, speak plainly, speak plainly. He says, I'll support the suggestion of recognition. I would support or I am supporting. Speak plainly. That's Putin being a boss. He goes, I support it. Then say it, yes, I do. I support the proposal about the entry of the Donetsk and Lutsk People's Republic of, into the Russian Federation. We're not talking about that. We're not discussing that. And now this is Putin. So when Putin goes, hey, that's not what we're talking about. Give me a straight answer. People start fucking shaking in their boots. So he goes, we're talking about recognizing their independence or not. Yes or no? Guy responds, yes. I support the proposal to recognize their independence. Thanks. You can take your seat. Now, here's what's great there. He says, speak plainly, and then he calls him on his bullshit. He goes, I need you to speak plainly. It's a yes or no. Are we supporting this? Or are we not supporting this? Give me a clear answer. Because politicians, they love to talk without actually taking an opinion. Because if they don't take an opinion, they can never be wrong. They never have any liability. But someone like Putin can actually stand there and go, yes or no. What position are you taking? Speak in clear English. And then, well, not in English, in that case, Russian. Speak plainly. Give it to me plainly. Yes or no. Are you taking that opinion or not? So Putin, you know, he might lose Russia. It could happen. And so I think that we should hire him to become the executioner of the U.S. Senate, where essentially uh, what we need is, because this is even going on uh, with uh, Supreme Court's taking a case right now that might ruin Biden's approach to solving global warming. Now, how does this tie in? Well, here's what Biden's promised to do. Biden has promised to help eliminate emissions that contribute to global warming from U.S. power generation by 2035. But Congress has yet to approve more money and authority to do it. That has left him with fewer options behind EPA actions under the Clean Airs Act. And the agency is about to push for a series of rule changes to target the sector. So in other words, you know, you've got Congress, you've got us voters. Nobody wants this. Right. We got a problem with Russia right now because oil energy is going up and we keep pretending like we can solve our energy needs through uh, clean air and through green emissions. And it's not going to work. And so the courts conservatives have responded to this. And I think that this is great. And it ties in. You're going to see this is all going to fit together wonderfully. The court has established at least one full room. This is uh, Gorish from the Supreme Court. We expect Congress to speak clearly if it wishes to assign an executive agency's decision of vast economic and political dis uh, significance. Justice Neil Gorish wrote in January, concurring with the decision to block a Biden administration plan to require large employers to vaccinate or test workers for COVID-19. We sometimes call this the major questions doctrine. I also I skipped the first line here and it ties in also. Everything's tying together here. The court's conservatives, however, have increasingly come to invalidate regulatory actions they believe amount to new national policies that should be determined by legislators. So in other words, they're saying this is not for us to do by executive action. We need Congress to speak clearly and say that they clearly want something to happen, that we need them to say that us as Congress, who can easily be voted out of our positions, think that Congress or the EPA should go ahead and regulate away your ability to be able to uh, cheaply mo operate a motor vehicle or heat your home. So what we need is banned words. 
Things like may, could, wish, hope, our intention, going to, will recommend, will review, help me establish the firm list of rule of words that politicians should not be allowed to use, robsnewsroom at gmail.com, because this is what they always do. They don't want to take one firm position. They want to escape all liability. They want to be able to escape having an opinion in any capacity. And that's why we need someone, not an actual Putin, but somebody who can stand on top of Congress and go, hey, speak clearly. Maybe the United States Department of Non-Ambiguity, uh, the AKA, the mission to speak clearly, uh, speak clearly, which I'm not doing right now. It's always great when you stutter as much as possible while telling a joke like this. AKA language force, AKA state your fucking opinion. And now here's the problem. We all know that we have this problem, that the second we create the language, I mean, the department of non-ambiguity, so then they come forward and they, someone could be talking in fucking circles and they go, well, we validate that what he said was speaking clearly. And you're like, well, clearly that wasn't somebody speaking clearly. And then you just create another government agency where, whereas every single person, every single intelligence officer at the mission of speaking clearly has endorsed Biden stuttering is speaking clearly. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And this, uh, based off of Jeremy Kaufman's statements the other day, and it was something I was thinking about the other day, but how do we move forward towards decentralized governance where, like, I feel like the idea of the Constitution in this country was that you were going to have these rules, and as long as we had these rules, it would restrain government, but then the problem is the rules, like, we, we, we kind of got left to man, and then they decide whether or not, you know, we have to, when we enforce them, when we don't, when we don't enforce them, it's almost like you got two brains, uh, I take this from the from the book Think. Think uh, th what was it called? Think clear and slow. Uh, but it talks about how your brain has a two part system. We all have this, where it's like you can think before you go to bed. Hey, tomorrow I'm gonna have a healthy day. I'm gonna diet. Here's the life I want to live. And then you got that compulsive in the moment where you're like, ah, fuck it. I'm gonna jerk off and eat donuts for breakfast. I uh, and so government, almost everything works in the same way. You can sit down and you go, Hey, let's establish these rules where people in power can't just go rob people of their wealth. And then all of a sudden the people in power, go, I know we made that rule, but I really want to go take these people's wells. So how do you, when you have the better brain and you're establishing the life that you'd like to live or the way that government should be, how do you establish those rules in a way where like they kind of, you, you don't allow the compulsive and the evils of man to then override the rules of what we can all understand as a better way of approaching things. And the answer is it's somehow constructing that in a way where it's decentralized, where it's like once you kind of establish, hey, this is the way it should be, you make it so it can't be changed. There's no way to change it. And then you get stuck with the question, well, what happens if we find out that those rules were wrong and we need to make a change? And so the answer is you somehow have to like create a funding mechanism, which I guess is mass and scale where it's almost like the adoption of a specific crypto with crypto with like certain governance rules. If you're living in a certain area, you go, Hey, we're all going to adopt this currency. And then if for some reason those rules aren't working, I guess you can kind of defund it by just pulling your money out of it. And then you can automatically fund the next thing. I haven't totally thought this through. This is what happens when it's a daily show. Uh, you go, Hey, I think I've got a great idea here. And I do think I, I, I think I have something. So I'm laying this down as a framework for something for us to consider uh, but you saw the success of an individual like Putin being able to, because he's got the power to just go kill people. So he could be like, Hey, fucking give it to me in straight English. And then all of a sudden, not straight English, straight Russian, but just speak clearly, speak plainly. 
And then the guy's got to actually take an opinion and go, all right, here's what I'm saying. Yes. And finally, by the way, he just goes, yes, I agree with you. That's basically what uh, speaking plainly is over there. Uh, and our Supreme Court is saying something similar over here where it's putting the burden on Congress of, no, if there are laws that like this is supposed to be in the hands of regulators, I mean, Congress. And so if we're going to make a decision to uh, make it tough, we're going to boost the regulations on things such as fossil fuels to make it cost prohibitive for certain, I guess, uh, businesses to run off of fossil fuels or otherwise not invest into green energy, Congress is going to have to make that decision. And they're going to have to very clearly state we're giving the authority of the EPA to do this. So we need more of that. The commission to speak clearly. That's it for uh, for today's episode. Uh, I forgot to even look and see if there were comments. All right, let's take a couple comments here. Sweet potatoes going yes. And uh, let the markets decide, which I can agree with. That is it for today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Tomorrow, I'm going to have some uh, some new dates up in the episode description. Uh, I got some stuff coming up in March, a date in uh, near Philadelphia, and then another date skiing over in Steamboat. Come uh, Coming out, come ski with me. Those are going to be fun shows with Kyle. Uh, and that is today's episode. Have a great day, everybody.